um and yeah it's, but there, there was a lot of people obviously that didn't get to see it all which is a, a shame but um yeah same i mean i spent most of my time because i took my son with me uh we spent mm. almost all of our time doing whack-a-mole <laughs> um uh, putting um you know trying to get trying to get all that money out of that um machine where you go and stand in that booth we did the escape room uh we went on the big wheel i mean it yeah. was it was a fit i told him it was going to be fun not actually expecting how much fun it was going to be for him yeah so he enjoyed it then basically yeah he, he um, loved it it was one of his best ever days fantastic to hear um yeah, he's a good lad, Rory. Um, so, um, so yeah, um, uh, I hope you had a good event, mate. Um, how, how did you get on? We, I, I take it you're, you're kind of uh, in, uni, in uniform hustling for ISINs or something, were you? No, not at all. No, I literally took my kid to a fairground. That's basically what it was. I, uh, I, wasn't, um, I wasn't hustling for ISINs. No, I wasn't, in, wasn't branded in any way. Uh, I was just going around talking to people. In fact, somebody... On the on, in the queue to get in, somebody said, "So, what's your like objectives for the day?" I said, "I'm going to get 100 selfies." That was it, and I got about 60 something. That's great. That's great. It's an amazing time, though, huh? What an amazing yeah, event that was. It was it was tremendous. Yes, crazy. We're talking about Wreckfest, folks. Um, uh, loads of people, I think, uh, watching this show would have went to Wreckfest if you're in the UK or somewhere in the vicinity. Lots of US folks went over. Matt Charney was there, Chad Sowash was there, Julie Sowash was there, um, Alan Bailey was there. I miss Alan. I'm really disappointed. Yeah, no, I saw, Al her. I saw Alan. Yeah. Um, um, Lars Schmidt was there. Yeah, yeah. Loads and loads of folks. 4,000 people in this festival. Ridiculous. Um, yeah, tremendous. I feel terrible now, I have to say. Uh, so, like, literally ringing headache. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I kind of, kind of need some sleep, but, um, we're going to have a great conversation first because we've got to talk about this huge topic, uh, which is very exciting. Um, how do you do employer brand, um, when your company is making redundancies? Like, how do you do it when actually all the news may be bad and you have to make some really tough decisions to let people go? What happens if you're letting people go in one area of your business, but still hiring for another? Um, how do you handle a messaging on there? How do you deal with speaking to the, the people that you need to, to, to let go of your business? And how do you deal with new conversations with candidates that you want to hire that may be seeing this message from elsewhere? So very, very interesting one to talk about. Uh, it's a tough one, but I think maybe something we need to, to get used to uh, reviewing. Um, anyway, um, we always um, kick off with a sponsored message. We have a surprise today um, because the sponsor message is going to be delivered by the sponsor. That's right. We have a special guest joining us for a, a, a brief a brief interlude. Um, so I see Maury is already there. Um, I'm going to bring Maury onto the screen. Um, uh, one of our good friends of Bring Food Live, um, good friend of uh, Candidate IDs as, as well, I understand. So um, let's see uh, and say hello to Maury. Um, there she is. Hey. How are you doing? Good. How are you doing? Great to see you, Maury. You look probably as hungover as you feel. <laughs> um, I'm pleased. To, I'm pleased to get that observation. Um, I, it definitely confirms my, my feeling. Um, yeah, I'm definitely not wearing it well. I have to say, um, a shame you missed it, Maury. Next time, get yourself over to to Wreckfest. Yeah, a legendary spot. Yeah, I was just in London in April and couldn't justify coming back that soon. But yeah, it's on the calendar for next year, no doubt about yeah. it. Yeah, time it, time it for July. That's typically when they do the show, uh, do yeah. the event. So that'd be great. Uh, so Maury, you've got some something to tell us about Sparkstart, haven't you? So do you wanna do you wanna go ahead and and, and talk, talk to us about what it is you're doing and why people should pay attention to it? Uh, lots of reasons to pay attention to it. Um, the the new thing that we're doing is we've just launched. What we're calling promotion pages which are pre-formatted landing pages that people can use to build campaigns around their videos and one of the reasons that we were excited about sponsoring this show and working in is when companies are, are even just pulling back on their hiring they tend to pull back on their budgets and for anybody an employer brand that can be tough because your budget can and i mean we've seen some people just go oh my god my budget just got frozen or i've been asked to pull you know pull back 20 percent or whatever um like what do i do now and having a good video platform in place so that you can produce employee generated content and keep the message out there 
is huge. It's huge for you keeping yourself central and producing and having results. Um, and so I would say to everyone right now, if you don't have a really good video platform, which would mean Spark Start, um, you need to get it and put it in today. Don't wait until your budget gets frozen because then all of a sudden um, you become vulnerable. Um, but if you've got programs going, you can show results, you can produce things that don't cost a lot and take advantage of you know, native traffic and, and so forth, you put yourself in a really powerful position, no matter what happens to the economy and what happens to your particular industry. So now is the time to really think about that. And, and even if you don't anticipate, if you're in an industry that you know is, is going gangbusters, having a good platform that makes employee generated content simple and easy is something you need and want to do anyway. Um, so in either case, we, we've got the tool that just simplifies your life and lets you focus on content and the strategic things and lets the software do all the other kinds of things. Yeah, I think that's a very, very valid point. Um, it is about getting it in. Like, it's not a luxury item anymore. Um, uh, you know, you need to, it's a mandatory item um, or at least it's a mandatory thing to do. Uh, particularly if you have like uh, tough conversations to have, people want to see the humanity uh, of, of your business. Um, and you can't be doing that if it's just text based stuff or, or static imagery or stock photos. You know, people want to see the authentic people, um, uh, the employees, they want to see those folks, they want to see the leadership, they want to see everyone on video. Uh, so at least that kind of reconnects them. Uh, with the human beings behind that brand so check out spark start folks um i've just shared the link in the chat stream there uh, and maury uh, maury's one of those ceos that is totally happy to have a chat with you as well so uh, feel free to just ping maury directly and i'm sure she'll be happy to talk you through uh, what her service is all about um great stuff maury thanks a lot for that um uh, you, you you might have started a new thing by the way get the ceo in to talk about the products better than me doing it so uh this, this may be a new innovation on brain food live um so just just before maury maury goes by the way um i see will staney's completely agreed with everything maury just said there about it being Smart the most cost effective way etc um i want to just draw attention to something that bill burman said in his talk yesterday at Wreckfest, and that was like recession's coming it's going to be brutal and um he, he said, you need to spend your time during recession. If your company's not doing as much hiring, you need to spend your time engaging with the people you're going to be hiring when recession's gone and you can start hiring again. You need to be pipelining talent and you need to be um, you know, interacting with those individuals. And video, totally agree with Maury, video is a perfect way of doing it. Right. We've all been through this, right? When COVID struck, everybody froze and then it came back with a vengeance. And the people who did well were the people who were pipelining, who did have kept their employer brand live, who you know kept a presence in the market. It's a different kind of message, and you've got great people on the panel who will talk about that. Um, but you may not have the budgets to actually be doing sponsored ads and those sorts of things. So you've got to take advantage of the the organic pieces. Um, but you've got to have a way to do this at scale, right? You, you can't be creating one video and running around with your camera and then trying to upload it and get it approved and all, you know, and branded and all that kind of thing. Um, if you're really going to have an impact, you've got to do it at scale. So that's the way to do it. And Bill is always is dead on, as is Will. <laughs> Bill and Will both dead on. Um, and by the way, we need Jill, to get Bill on. Jill is also. Jill, <laughs> Jill is, is also. Jill is there. We just reminded we, we we're overdue a Bill Borman return to the Brain Food Live, so we'll have to get on with that as well. Um, but Will is joining us later on the panel, so that's going to be interesting yeah. to get his views. Uh, Maury Hannigan, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, stay stay online. Have a make sure yeah. you you watch the rest of your show. Uh, if you want to drop back in, just let me let me know on the chat stream. We could bring you back on screen, Maury. Great, thanks, thanks, guys. Cool. That's a good idea, isn't it? Bringing people on. I think that's something we're going to try and do. Uh, okay. Um, we should really quickly review the newsletter, though. I'm not sure you had the chance to read it, uh, Adam, because um, you are obviously busy yesterday. Um, but if you, if you did, do you want to ping out a few things about Brain Food, what, what happened last week? Yeah, I really enjoyed the article about our, our startup founders less hireable. Um, yes. And it's they, they, they applied for 2,000 software engineer jobs with the resume from one person who was a employee background, one yep. person who was um, background from being a successful startup founder, and one person from being a background who was a an unsuccessful startup founder. And whether they were successful or unsuccessful startup founders, they were 43% less likely to get a call back. And what that meant was invited to a first stage you know, interview or something like that. So... 
I mean, the amount of bias in this is ridiculous. But also, the fact the fact is, startup founders were. I was. I became a startup founder because I wasn't a very good employee. It's as simple yep. as that. A lot of startup uh, founders were not good employees. I think that like, like people were complaining about it, but I think actually the prejudice here might actually have some validity um, because yes, um, a lot of startup founders, I think have amazing skills because they could, uh, the, the risk-taking entrepreneurial skills, usually a great generalist, usually quick learners, usually mentally agile, lots and lots of positive things. Um, but they, 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 they kind of had, they basically, moved in, in an environment that they, they can't replicate in, as an employee. You have to gonna follow a, a lot more instruction. You got a, a sort of guardrails in terms of what you're allowed to do. That frustrated you at one point, which is why you became an entrepreneur. And I think the risk that uh, recruiters have when they look at a startup founder and they might be thinking, you know what, this guy is going to, or this girl is going to come in and be six months for us or use us as a stepping stone, you know, do et cetera, but they're not going to be fully committed to the job that we have because it isn't, uh, you know, founding your own company. So it is a real tough one because we all know what the failure rate of startups really are. It's really, really high. Lots of people are out there who, you know, might have spent three, four years or more working on something learn a load of skills, um, but they then may struggle uh, to find the right opportunity and indeed the right kind of um, company that would take a, a chance on it. So I can see both sides. Um, it's, it's really tough. Um, yeah. It, it's, uh, there's, 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 a, there's so many, there's different types of startup founders, right? There's, there's, there's the one who is an, is an entrepreneur and um, that person doesn't like to work within the confines of an organizational structure. But then there's the startup founders who are not entrepreneurs. They've just been there to they, they have been the they have been often the brains behind the technical aspect of whatever the, the product is. They're maybe not entrepreneurs, they're not naturally entrepreneurs. Mm. Do they fit into a corporate environment? Yeah, they can fit into a corporate environment. But um it's a it's just it was a I found it a really interesting, really interesting article. 43% less likely to get a call back. Yeah, well, as I very resonant for you, uh, uh, Adam, obviously with your journey to date, because uh, you've gone from being a startup founder to now being an employee. Um, and and that the, the, there's this kind of resonance there, isn't there? So very, very interesting. Interested to know your thoughts, folks. If you're a recruiter and you're looking at candidates, you see a startup founder, do you skip? Um, do you immediately think, nah, this, this person's not right for our, uh, our business, even without scrutinizing their skills and their fit to a potential function they may perform in your business? Let me know in the comments, folks. Okay, give us another one, uh, Adam. Uh, oh, there were so many. Um, right, the guide to difficult conversations from Bright Hire. That was quite mm. a good one as well. Yeah, um, so there were there were five main things that it focused on. So they've they've produced a really nice um, piece piece of information for in, recruiters. Really, it's almost recruiter training. It's really good. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. How to how to pre close a candidate, how to align on compensation, how to negotiate an offer, how to represent when you've got two sides that you're 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 working with. You're representing both sides to each others. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, and then how to revoke an offer when, when, when you got to, you got to course correct. So great, great article. You click on the different bits. It takes you fast tracks you to the, uh, you know, the details and it's useful for every recruiter. Yep. Yep, absolutely. I insist everyone reads this. This is from one of our friends at Bright Hire. They basically produce this free guide. I mean, it's a, it's really in depth. You see a lot of the content out there to say this is a how-to. It's going to do you whatever, and they're usually very disappointing and quite shallow. Uh, but this one actually goes into real depth and real substance, and it gives you some really interesting insights in terms of how you handle these key moments as a recruiter. Like, for instance, what do you do when you need to rescind an offer? So, kind of related to our topic today, um, uh, you know, what happens when you need to actually call an offer back because company can't grow anymore how do you handle that make sure you preserve the relationship and the brand of your business super difficult thing to do uh bright have got some tips on that so check out the link that's just been shared in the chat stream okay give us one more adam um one more and then a quick shout out if that's okay so one more is um oh mckinsey's article about america's really embracing um flexible 
like working and uh, dual jobs and things like that. So uh, apparently 35% of job holders in the USA can work from home full time. And for part-time jobs, that's still quite large at 23%. When offered, almost everybody takes the opportunity to work flexibly. Most employees want flexibility. Uh, the industries, there's a big difference between industries. Most offer some form of flexibility, but of course, areas like engineering and finance and business and technology, they're all much higher. And then something like it's pretty pretty obvious hospitality and security and things they're down at the bottom but the 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 one that the the bit that was the most interesting to me was of all the reasons why people move jobs right now or are interested in looking for a new job number one was pay better pay or hours number two is better career opportunities and number three was a better more flexible working arrangements number mm. three i mean that would not have been number three before the pandemic that would have been no. it might have been top 10 but it would have been down near the bottom of the top 10. it, it wasn't considered a realistic negotiation uh, no. uh item no you know if, no. if you, it would be extraordinary for you to come in to a, a business and start saying yeah i want to work three days at home yeah you'd be laughed out of town uh you'd be laughed out of town you'd say, get your bag get your coat see you later now it's it's it's, it's the first thing you, you want to talk about and and if the company in question is uh, sort of uh, changing uh, the promise. Uh, that's actually a trigger for com- for people to leave leave work. So it is a big change. I think it's a positive one. Lots of I'm a critic of hybrid, as you know. But at the end of the day, I think that uh, it's a, it's going to be a profoundly good thing uh, to uh, stop us all from doing pointless commutes. Um, you just add up the amount of hours that every human being is doing. Um, it's just an astonishing waste of time um, and hugely expensive in terms of energy. Um, th- there you go, Aaron. Absolutely. Everyone has wasted like 10 hours a week commuting. Um, if that's like 10 million people, how many hours are we wasting human effort? Uh, it's crazy. <laughs> you know, stop. We're not, I think we, I think we, we grok it. We're, we're not going to go there, but we need to figure out exactly what we're going to do. Okay. Let's, uh, let's get our guests on and talk about this a bit more. Just oh, quickly, quickly. I said, can I give you a shout out really quickly? Culture app. So, mm. um, they are, um, they're going to give any employee that needs support in accessing um, abortion services, uh, they'll give them $2,000 of uh, help towards um, uh, expenses, is the word I'm trying yep. to find here. Good on them. Yep. I think a lot of companies have done that. ISIMs have done it. I've said the same. There's a few companies that have done it, said the same. Uh, I, I think I think Culture Amp's the only one I've seen that's gone publicly said this is the exact employee benefit that you're going to get if you work at a culture app. <clears throat> so it was just a yep. quick shout out. Well done. Important it, it thing is, to do. It is well done. And it's very interesting. I think there's quite a few companies that have done this. Um, and by the way, folks, for, just to contextualize this, this is all in relation to uh, rulings in the US, which basically have made it more, much more difficult for women to, uh, uh, to, to seek abortion. Um, and I think many uh, states have actually, uh, uh, in, in effect, sort of banned it um, after a certain period of time. So really tough. And it does have a sort of EB impact because, you know, if you're an employer and you're actually employing staff in a certain part of that country, um, suddenly, you, you know, this person, an employee of yours may not be able to get medical care um uh, uh because of, of this rule so um you're seeing a lot of companies basically um uh, offer you know free travel support different things to help people do uh, uh what they have to do um and you know on the one hand it should not be necessary um uh, because really this is something that um i i think this goes to the government level you need to provide that service to people uh, in need I don't think anybody, you know, uh, casually has an abortion. This is like a serious uh, decision. Um, you have to trust uh, uh, the, the woman in question uh, above all of the people in, in, involved in that conversation to make the right decision. You have to trust people. Um, but it hasn't happened in the States in a uniform way. Um, and it's required companies to step up to kind of fulfill the function of the state, um, uh, you know, which is which is crazy. Um, but good on, on one hand, because you can see that that's the will from a, a lot of businesses. 
but it's crazy that companies have to go ahead and do this because it's not their job it shouldn't be them to do it um anyway maybe a, a conversation we might want to have at, at some point i mean i know it's because it's quite a u.s centric thing to talk about uh but not entirely remote to a lot of our, our stuff i mean in in ireland that will have happened recently where people had to uh move countries effectively um also in europe you're seeing in um Poland, I think, is starting to restrict um, uh, 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 sort of abortion uh, rights in many respects. So perhaps this is something uh, is a wider spread phenomena that we, we might want to do a brain food live on. Uh, and the recruiting angle, or at least the business angle, would be, you know, how do you how do you, how do you position for this if you want to make sure that you're taking care of every member of your staff? Um, and indeed, you know, you might in, encounter sort of a staff members that have a very different view of it as well. So how do you handle that? So yeah, uh, maybe a tough one to try and handle, but yeah, uh, we're, we're happy to have tough conversations on brain food. Uh, okay, let's uh, let's get on with this. Um, let's bring our guests on and we'll see where we're at. We are going to bring on the said Will Staney. I can see him on, he actually maybe making his uh, brain food live debut. I can't remember whether Will's ever been on here, um, but let's bring him on. I think he um, I, I think he's been on. What? Yeah, I'm not sure that's the case. I'm going to bring on Natasha Nagra as well. She's in a service station somewhere, uh, so I hope she's going to be all right. Um, well, uh, hopefully it's T-Bay or Gloucester, one of the good ones, um, not, the, not the one that I was in last night. I, I saw her I saw her just quickly before we came on. She's in the Starbucks, so hopefully uh, she, she's going to be okay where she is. Um, and uh, and Alex as well. Alex heard somewhere in Tottenham, so he was at breakfast yesterday, but he's going to try and like drop in. As soon as I see him on the on on the on the chat stream, I'll bring him bring him on. There's Will. There hey, he is. How's How it going? are you doing, Will? Good to see, good to see you, man. Good to see you, sir. Adam, good to see you as well. Congrats. You tell me, way. I'm I'm I'm. Thank you very much. I tell me, I'm right. You have been on. You've been on once before, haven't you? Ah, uh, maybe like a long time ago, back when I was a, a young sprout. Um, I but. It's Long been a while, time. so yeah, yeah, absolutely. I don't think I don't think you have. I'm gonna have to okay. go through the archive I've, and then I've got more gray now. I can tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> well, Will, for the few people who don't know you, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Who are you? What it is you do? Sure. Yeah, I'm Will Staney. I'm based here in Austin, Texas. I am a, a former TA leader at like Glassdoor and Twilio, who uh, turned consultant about seven years ago. And I started a little firm called Practive Talent. And we are everything talent acquisition. We are a practitioner for hire model. We're essentially a consulting firm that is both an employer brand agency, an advertising firm, a contract recruiting, flexible uh, staffing solution, as well as you know, you know, an exclusive partner implementing greenhouse and a lot of great technologies and building recruiting programs and tech stacks. Uh, we work with, gosh, uh, 200 companies a year, helping them build their own internal programs. Fantastic and, stuff. And then, sorry, the, the other was Town Brand Alliance. So I'm a co-founder with Brian Cheney, and we run the largest practitioner, you know, uh, for practitioner, by practitioner community for talent brand professionals. Uh, so employer branding, recruitment marketing, uh, and employee comms professionals. And that's a great event. And I believe you guys are opening up your um, annual awards, aren't you, for nominations? Um, so if you we know do. somebody, yeah, if you know somebody that you, uh, basically you think that they've done an amazing campaign or amazing job related to uh, branding this year, um, over the last 12 months, nominate them. Will, why don't you share sort of a link in the chat stream that, that basically people can send nominations through? Yeah, um, I mean, and, I appreciate uh, Appreciate. Unfortunately, the nominations just ended. It just no. ended because our award show is on is on July twentieth. But but people can still uh, and I'll share the link in here. People can still uh, come and join. It, it it's a it's a it's a free virtual event where you can see uh, and and see who who are the movers and shakers in employer branding and recruitment marketing right now. What what campaigns? There's uh, you know, tons of different categories. So inspirational solo talent brander of the year, you know, best, uh, best talent brand team, um, campaigns, um, and things like that. So you're still going to see a lot of great people, uh, and, and see the, and, and, and highlight and celebrate the great work being done in that industry. In that case, why don't you share the link yeah, to, share. The, to, to the event, Will? Um, and, uh, and yeah, definitely yeah. tune into that. That should be an inspirational one for us. 
Um, okay, well, we're struggling to get Natasha on. I and also there's no Alex, so we might just roll with ourselves as as the three uh, for the time being, whilst we get all of that stuff sorted out. Um, let's talk about this topic. Um, this is inspired generally by this, you know, this, this this sense of there's a lot of tech companies starting to lay people off. They tend to be very high profile companies. Whenever it happens, it seems to be quite a significant move. You know, twenty uh, percent here, thirty percent there in terms of people actually being let go. And it just got me thinking, okay, how do we handle it from an EV perspective? Um, because, you know, those companies will have EV people, right? Uh, Netflix has an EV team um, and they had to let yeah. a bunch of people go. So what do you do to make sure that you're still doing best for your company whilst also doing care for your uh, the people that have, that have been let go? Uh, what are your thoughts on that, Will? Do you want to just like give your perspective on how you would coach a company that has to go through this process? Yeah, because we're 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 coaching several, um, right? And I think um, it, 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 it's it's tough. You know, the the way that you you protect your brand, even when you're implementing cost saving measures, is 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 really you have to be responsible. It's not always possible, but you want to try to employ you know you want to try to employ uh, provide employees with a warning about the steps that are coming. Honesty is super super important, right? They deserve to know about the situation. Whether you're planning on restructuring, you know, or furloughing, you know, you have to be transparent throughout the whole process. It's not always easy to do that leading up to the layoff, right? There's legal risks and and and, and other reasons why you can't disclose everything right away. But as soon as it's happening, getting into a conversation with your employees to really talk about what's going on. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's that's really how I coach them through. And we have you know clients that are still hiring in some high volume areas but but reducing in in corporate staff and that and that's it's a very careful way that you you manage that but i think it all just comes down to being being honest yep uh maury's joining us we volunteered to step in um as the uh the, the the rec fest attrition sort of uh, continues um, and <laughs> not knocks our panelists out um but that's okay um uh, so uh uh, tell me about this, Will. Uh, you're talking about let's t uh, sort of people need to know about it. What's the explanation? Why is this so sudden? Why does it feel sudden that this announcement's there? You see people say, "Oh, I, I read this on the on Twitter or something. I read it on TechCrunch that you know I'm being let go or a bunch of people let go." Why is it so sudden? Is there what, what are the, what's the theory behind that? Like, why does it happen so suddenly? Yeah, like why why is there no no notice given? Um, do, do you know why? Yeah, I mean, uh, there there are legal reasons around it. Uh, if if you're giving folks uh, uh, um, and just practical business reasons, if you're giving folks too much of a, a, a heads up, uh, things like that, it can open up uh, a lot of different discrimination issues. Um, it could change uh, and create a toxic environment where people are pointing fingers like, why didn't this person go? You know, there is also just context around these types of decisions that have to be made at an executive level that just ground level employees don't have that kind of context into it. But, you know, and so you have to make decisions as, as a business owner or as a, as a C-level team, and then really have a good communication plan afterwards to, to talk about why it happened and what this means and what what's going forward. Like, if you think there's going to be more layoffs, then you better not say, this is the only layoff we're going to have. Right. Um, mm. you know, if, if it's, if it's not a furlough, you better not, you better not call it a furlough. Right. Um, if it, you know, if it's a redundancy, you have to say it's, it's due to redundancy, you know what I mean? Cause if, if you, if you lie again, honesty is going to, it's going to really hurt you. And if you're trying to retain the employees that you actually have, uh, it's super, it's super tough to do that. And, if if you talk too much ahead as these things are developing, you might say things that inevitably uh, can get you in trouble as a company. Right. And, and let me just add, yeah. yeah. Let me just add the, the other reason that it happens so suddenly is that companies are worried about security. You don't want yeah. to tell somebody we're laying you off and then have all your salespeople download all the databases and you know, or people get angry and they start to sabotage or or whatnot. I think it's mostly a security piece that as soon as someone's yeah. laid off all their content, you know, their, their accounts are cut off and so forth. 
it's unfortunate, but that's the way it happens. And it, yep. and it scares people, right? Like, you, you know, if you just say we're going to do a layoff and you don't say who in the, yeah. in the first hand, then anybody could think that they're on the chopping block and then all your employees start applying for jobs, right? Like, and, and that's really not in most cases that, you know, the way it's going, like there's, there's specific redundancies. There's really a lot of thought that goes into how these companies have to reduce to, to cut these costs. Okay. So, so just to recap on this, what we, what we, what we might have here is basically uh, a kind of an expectation gap between what the employees think happens and then what the C-level does for business necessity. Because it seems that like people's surprise is one of the reasons why they get annoyed. Um, one of the reasons why they go ahead and, and complain online to say, oh my God, I just found this out and it just happened like this. But if they yeah. were running the business, that's exactly what you ha would have to do. Um, exactly. You make the decision quickly. It's a tough conversation. There's no point in dragging it out. Um, you just no company wants to do it either. Like in no, no, no. So I've been on both sides of it in the last recession. I was laid off five times in a single year. <laughs> I was, I go to one company and then boom, they close down that branch. I go to the next company as top sales guy. I got laid off again, all in the same year. So I've felt this. And then I've been in, uh, you know, a CEO that's had to do a small uh, redundancy as well. And man, it is one of the hardest things you can do as a manager is having to lay off your employees. Like, so no company wants to do this either. If they're doing it, it's really, there's a real business reason for it. And in, and if it does seem like a surprise, well, that's, that's by design. It, it literally has to be that way. I don't know of any very many layoffs where they, they give everybody a big heads up and say, Hey, in about a couple of weeks, you might be getting let go. Yeah. It just doesn't happen. So as a reality check, we all need to have a reality check, not to say we give over sympathy to employers, but we need to understand business reality. Um, and one of those realities is, you know what, it, it's going to be unpleasant and it's going to be sudden. Um, if that occurs, that's what that's what's going to happen. Um, but there's so things that that the, the the companies can do to make sure that yes, while it's sudden, you're not getting thrown off a cliff, right? There, you know, if you're if you're letting folks go, I think it's super important to you know if you can afford it as a company, use outplacement services to help re reduce resentment, like help people find a job. What I really mm -hmm. like to seeing like Airbnb during the pandemic and other companies that shifted instead of laying off all their recruiters because they weren't hiring anymore they turned them into recruiters for these people being laid off and helping them source and find positions elsewhere also offering training and skills uh, uh continuing people's uh, insurance as long as you can afterwards so giving people a softer landing if you can afford it is super important and, and the other piece that i think is going to be relevant to our audience and i'm not sure they've got the the decision making to do the the outplacement and so forth is yeah. if you're an employer brand person you don't want to be out there messaging about career growth and opportunities no. and all of that if i mean again we hope it doesn't happen to anybody's individual company but you need to look around the corner and go if this happens here what's the messaging i've got out there right now um and it's really tough if you're laying off in one part of the company and hiring in another like, what is it you're saying? That's really hard to walk somebody out the door and say, the business is, you know, we're, we're hurting for cash. Um, we've got to let you go. We're going to end your income. We're going to put you in a financial, you know, really tough position. We're sorry about this. We've just put a bump in your career. But, hey, we're hiring these six people over here, brand new. They have no history with the company. You know, there's no loyalty here. But you who worked really hard for us, thanks, you're on the sidewalk. Um, but let me bring other people in. Adam just made a, a comment that you do see companies that go through that will lay off some of their more expensive people and bring in more junior people. Um, if you're in TA or employer brand, that's really tough. And you need to think about that. You Super can't tough. stumble through it. A quick, a quick interrupt on, on that, Memorial, because I think you made a really important point. Um, you have to change your messaging if that's if the, if this is the journey you're in. Because I've seen too many companies that basically have got this auto-scheduling tweet situation going on. And they must have like pre-booked this for a year. And they keep going without any consciousness that actually now it is completely uh, inappropriate to be talking in the way you are uh, in this way. So... First thing you got to do is a practical tip is check your comms and check what you've got scheduled and make sure you, you kind of tone uh, audit all of this stuff.
um yeah. because if you're going through uh, tough news you can't be uh, you have to change the tonality of the way if you're messaging that's out there maybe you can shut it down for a while 100 percent. i don't know about shutting down completely because it's more important than ever to stay in front of your audience in in shows you know a strong brand during a lull in the economy but over but i agree when it comes to communication like when fear is high you have to take more a more empathetic approach you have to be really clear on your communication and then really i've always talked about how employer brand is like internal engagement pushed outward but in times of crises you need to take that outward and push it inward um and you know talking about the external enforces uh, you know forces that are are changing the business and what that means for employees talking about and reminding people why why they come there what's great and what good is going to come out of this in the long run casting vision as a leadership team right you know you can really create a sense of kind of coming together as a team to get through these these outside forces outside of our control right um and and that can actually have a really positive effect and actually bring companies even more together more unified to fight sort of a common enemy right this downward spiral in the economy uh and things like that to come together and do some of the best work you know yeah, let me just just build on that one of the the best videos i saw was right after a layoff that happened um with the pandemic and it was a cfo who who did a, a quick video that said look you know we're these layoffs are awful they're painful here are all the other things we're doing to cut costs so we're going to try to avoid yeah. any other layoffs in the future you know we're, we've cut travel we've cut our our interest payments we've got he ran off and he just very humanly you know kind of explained oh we just didn't trust you know a couple hundred people out on the sidewalk because it was the easy thing to do. It's we're looking at the entire financial picture. We're trying to conserve our cash. We want to make sure we make it through so that those of you who are still with us, you know, we can still continue to employ us. Um, that was really powerful. And that's a time, talk, you know, Will, you're talking about bringing people together. There's a whole survivor, you know, sort of guilt thing going on. Three of your best friends just got laid off. They've got, you know, real financial problems now. You're still there and you're not sure if you're going to be there. For your internal, you know, morale and so forth, really addressing that. Your employer brand is part of, you know, is how your people internal who are there still feel. So you've got a couple of different messages you want to look at. Um, but going back to the honesty and the transparency, um, absolutely. But but going back to if you're, you know, if you're in charge of employer Murray, brand, Murray, let me let me interrupt you just here um, because again, you've made a really important point that I want to underline. Um, it is the CEO needs to contextualize the redundancies yeah. in the wider yeah. context of the other business cost savings that they're making. Exactly. Um, you don't just say, oh, we're, we're in tough times. 40% of people are gone. See you later. No, you talk about all the other things that you're doing. Um, and then you yeah. say as part of this pattern, package yeah. for maintaining Regrettably, our business but... we have to also let a few people go at that i think people can understand a bit more just give it the context rather than the just the bad news um really yeah. really important point maury thank you the word trans maury used the word transparency and that's the that's the most important one is yeah. you gotta you gotta just tell tell people exactly why it's happening you don't quite some people say you got to over communicate in a scenario like this i'm not sure you need to over communicate but you need to communicate a lot you need to talk to people regularly and you need to let them know exactly why things are happening. Um, and, you know, the people that remain with the business afterwards are going to, you know, they're going to have complete trust in you for having dealt with a difficult situation head on and uh, keeping them like in the tent. Yeah. Keeping them in the know and, and, and then asking for their help, right. Letting out that they can be part of getting you through that. Right. Letting people know, because especially with, with with uh, redundancies or, or or layoffs, there's typically a restructuring, which gives opportunity for maybe some departments to work a little bit better together than they did before. Where if there's new op opportunities to collaborate and try more efficient and better ways of doing things as a company as we navigate a pretty unpredictable economic uh, environment. Yeah. Uh, can I jump in and ask Will a question? Because I, I logged on today because I wanted to hear his perspective on this. Um, yeah. Which is for the people who are doing the outbound employer branding. Um, we've talked yeah. about you need to change your message. Um, yes. What's your guidance on 
what kind of messaging you want to put out there. What's appropriate when you are unfortunately laying people off and, and doing redundancies? What yeah. is it you go out to the marketplace and say? You need to keep a presence. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. But but what is the message that's appropriate? Yeah, I think, you know, when fear is high, you have to take an empathetic approach. I think when you've seen several companies, Coinbase and others that have had to do rescind offers and do layoffs, and I see their their talent leader and, and recruiters and even leadership coming out and being really, really transparent and empathetic at that time, really talking about what they're doing for those folks. And then if, if they are hiring the areas that they're hiring and why, they still have to hire in this. I think it, it, it's just it's clarity in, in communication. But that's also if these companies aren't laying off the employer brand folks. I think a lot of companies, you know, actually do what I don't recommend, which is they cut off investments, in employer branding, uh, and they just are quiet during those times. But I tell you what, candidates have very long memories and they remember how you, what you did and what you talk about during these times. Um, they remember that stuff and, 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 you can't just be noisy when times are good. You have to even uh, when times are bad, be out there. And so taking an empathetic approach, you know, communicating clearly and opening openly will build trust. We know we've seen research that shows something like a huge percentage of employees. Like the biggest thing that they that they care about is 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 trust. Can they trust the employer in this market right now? Aaron said exactly. Aaron Matthew said in the chat exactly what you've just said, Will, which is people have got yeah. long memories, and if you treat people badly, it's they, they will they will remember it. And yeah. making redundancies is not something that makes you a bad company or yeah. makes you a bad person. Unfortunately, there's a lot of things happen which are out of your control. Yeah. You've oh, you've over forecast on something because you didn't realize a meteor was going to strike. You know, you didn't realize That's Russia right. was going to invade Ukraine. You didn't realize that there was going to be a global pandemic. You know, these things don't make you a bad person if you've got to downsize your, your organization as a result. Yeah, I mean, a crisis really shows you how how both how strong your brand is and how strong uh, your leadership is. Because it's either it's either a time to completely fail or a time to, to really rise as a leadership team and navigate your people through, through a, a really tough time. All right. All, all, all this is true, and I get it, right? Um, yeah. the, the big, however, is what, what if you have a non-empathetic leader? Um, so we say, yeah, let's be empathetic. Great. Some people are well, really like good at Elon this. Musk, for example. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. Elon, Elon Musk, one example. But the example I'm thinking of more specifically was that guy who like announced everything on on, on a Zoom call, where he was like literally. Yeah. So, so, now, firstly, before we criticize this dude, and I think there's other reasons why we want to criticize him because there's all kinds of issues there, but he did front it up. I mean, I said at least he was directly uh, addressing the audience. I think he made it an execution error because he was so poor in his uh, delivery uh, and his manner. It was terrible, and everyone like completely lambasted him. But like, what do you do? You're a recruiter, you're a TA person, you're an employer branding person, and you have a C-level person that says, yeah, it's my job, I'm going to do it. And you, you have a fear that they're going to screw up because they don't have those people skills. How do you how do you deal with that? You go find a different job. <laughs> like I'll be straight honest with you. If you're an employer brand person and you and, and and that's the kind of leadership team you're having to advocate or try to hire people under that kind of environment, just in organizations like that will just not survive. And Here's a you will find. I mean, I'm just saying, like that that's that's tough. I mean, here's a very topical example of what Will just said, and this is the current state of the UK Conservative Party, right? Great leaders hire brilliant people. Brilliant people want to work with great leaders. If the leader is non-empathetic and is bad at communications and is untrustworthy or whatever it might be, I'm not saying Boris is all of those, by the way, because he's very good at communicating. He's just not necessarily good at communicating the truth. Um, yeah. uh, then, you know, the great people, really the best people want to work for great leaders. And so I agree with Will, just leave. If the CEO is 100%. a twat, just leave. But no, hang on, hang on. I, I find it's an unsatisfactory response because a, yeah. the CEO may not be a twat. He or she may simply have like the different set of skills. Um, they may be very good at doing certain part of their job, but when it comes to yeah. empathy, they're maybe not, they're not particularly strong. No. But, For but some reason, the CEO think, has to have that. A CEO has yeah, to have uh, that. If they to. don't have it, 
they shouldn't be going beyond CFO or CTO <laughs> or something like that. That's where they should stay. They should not be the CEO yeah. if they don't have good. And don't get me empathy. wrong. I I right. love I love Tesla. I have you know I I I love green energy. I love what he's kind of doing. But uh, leaders like that like okay. make me okay. revolt. But guys, go, Matt, the, go ahead. The personalities of those folks aside, I think the situation that that more people face is not that they have a leader who's unsympathetic and and just a jerk. Um, I think you've got leaders who are reluctant to be in that spokesperson position. Um, yeah. You know, so so the question is, you know, we're doing this, we're doing it as humanely as we can do it, but I'm not going to get my CEO to go out there and make a public, you know, statement or video or whatever. So then the question is, how else do you do it? What other things can you do? Um, and, I, and I think you look around for who's the next best person to deliver the message or you refocus the message. Um, for any company that's going through this, um, you know, I, I'll go back to the kinds of videos we see uploaded because that's my exposure to the market. We're seeing people who are just changing their focus to things like community service. Let's talk about the kind of people we are. We can't talk about career advancement. We can't talk about any of that right now because we're, we're not going through it. So let's talk about our in, investments in technology to bring a stronger company going forward. Let's talk about um, you know, the other, our sustainability efforts. Let's talk about, they, they shift the conversation away so they're not still focused on things that aren't ringing true, that are insensitive, that are in complete contrast to what the reality is in the business, even though their long-term goals may be a commitment to career growth and career education. If you're in the middle of the layoff, that long-term vision and that long-term goal gets you know stopped for a while until you regroup and, and go on. So it's just it's changing the messaging to something that is credible and relevant. Yeah. Maury, you've you've just said yet another thing. Uh, like your three points you've mentioned are literally the three big takeaways I've taken away from this. Like um, the just just to reiterate, basically what you're saying is you've got to switch away from the the career. Uh, I guess the, the the more conventional talk that you talk about career development and you know uh, personal development within company that's incongruous with the fact that you're letting people go. Uh, instead, talk about the other things that you do as a business that's contributing in some way. Uh, so again, uh, we, we talk about tonal shift in the beginning, but here we're talking about content messaging shift. Like the content topics are going to change uh, when you're doing EB. Um, at this moment, at this tough moment in time. Um, okay, there you go, Izzy. Absolutely correct. Maury, keep talking. That's basically what we want to do. Uh, but before everyone keeps talking, I just want to use this opportunity, as we always do, to try and connect as many people who are interested in this topic together so that if we're ever having this type of challenge, you've got a bunch of people you can talk to about it. Don't stew on this by yourself. Brain Food Live is a conversation starting uh, uh, sort of program, but we have to come off air at some point. Don't let us be the bottleneck that stops the conversation from continuing. So take a moment, put your LinkedIn into the chat stream or put it into the comment thread if you're watching on LinkedIn itself or watching on Facebook or Twitter. Uh, put your LinkedIn profile into the chat stream there and make sure uh, you connect with everyone else who you see do likewise. Um, everyone who's watching this show basically is interested in this topic. So make sure that you're walking away with this with 20, 30 people um, that you know already have thought about this and, and, and want to keep talking about it. Okay, I'll give you a couple of seconds to go ahead and do that. Um, right, uh, let us go on to talk about um, the uh, sort of where we've seen good examples of employers who have made a, the best of a bad situation. Um, uh, yes, there's layoffs, but there's some conspicuously good examples um, of companies that have done something really good uh, to help employees kind of get find new jobs or to do something that makes you look uh, uh, more positively at that business. Do any of these come to mind? I'll share one example um, because I've, I've launched the question. This happened at the hiring manager level. So I don't think it was strategic. It was a team manager that had to let go 12 people in his team. Um, and what he did was to write a Twitter thread um, and each sort of tweet was a profile and a cameo, little cameo portrait of the staff member that he had to let go. And he was saying stuff like, okay, here's Adam Gordon. He did this, this, and this. He's amazing at da-da-da. Here's his LinkedIn. Boom. Out it went. And then the next thread was, hey, here's Will Staney. He did this for us. He, this project was amazing, blah, blah, blah. And it was just a, an amazing thread. I, I read that and it got loads of people distributing it. And I'm thinking, 
that person taking initiative um, that's definitely given exposure to all of these people who are now looking for work. So hopefully that's sort of stimulated opportunity for those folks. And he's also pre-referenced it, right? So he's given a, a public reference for all of these people. Um, so the social proof has gone up for all of these candidates. And I look back and I thought, you know what? I don't think he intended uh, thinking about it as an EB thing, but no question that was good employer branding. Um, no yeah. question that's helped the, the vision of the company. So yeah. I wonder whether you guys have got any kind of um, uh, examples or thoughts as to how you would make the best of this bad situation. Yeah, I mean, I, I mentioned it a little bit earlier, but the, the way Airbnb handled when they laid off, like I think it's like 1900 of their 7000 employees uh, when the pandemic for it, I thought it was done really well. There was a message from the co-founder and CEO like on their website about you know, about the layoff, they, they actually took some, uh, some, some pretty good, uh, ability. They got permission. That's another thing, Mari, you're right. Like to get permission from folks about sharing them first. And then they created a, a, a an online database of all these folks with their LinkedIn profiles and everything that got shared amongst the recruiting community and LinkedIn, you know, they offered, you know, outplacement services. They, they took a portion of their recruiting team, and rather than lay them off, turn them in and, and change their jobs to make them, your job is now to help these folks we laid off find another job, right? Um, and stuff like that. I, th I thought it was handled extremely well, given the, the, the severity of that layoff and what could have been pretty brand damaging was something that actually was brand adding for them. It actually improved mm. their employer brand through the pandemic. Yeah. Um, and so like if, if I was going to give a master class on how to manage a major layoff, uh, I would, I would give, uh, co-founder and CEO, Brian, uh, Chesky, uh, of Airbnb, uh, that professor hat to give that master class because it was really well done. And, and Will makes a good point and, and prompts another that so many, particularly younger employees who have only, you know, gotten jobs and done job switching during an incredible boom time may not understand i'm amazed at how the average person has no idea how recruiting works uh, my old my own older son just went through a job search um and he was frustrated that all he'd gotten was an automated message after two days like well if they're interested in me why haven't they you know reached out yes i got this automated thing um and so many people have gotten jobs because they networked through or a friend pulled them in and so forth they haven't actually been through the process and so now if they're finding themselves needing to find a new job and they haven't, you know, needed to to go through the process and understand how it takes and what the timing is and, and so forth. Um, they may just need some help understanding that. And recruiters, obviously, you know, we get it from this side of the desk, um, helping employees understand that because the misperceptions are so huge. Um, it, it's often laughable when I hear people talk about, you know, their their job hunter, their career search, just how little understanding they have of how the process really works. I mean, shame on all of us as an industry that, you know, there's such a black curtain between what we do and what the candidates actually understand is going on. Um, but there's a huge opportunity to help and educate there. That's a great observation, Maury. Um, so to back up the sort of Will's point and also yours here, uh, yeah, Airbnb, I think first time around, quite right. They, 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 they kind of wrote a little bit of a guidebook, more or less, in terms of how it's done. I think they were also one of the first businesses to come up with a talent database as well, uh, like a searchable website of the, of the people that they let go. And they immediately made that available uh, for people who can then search for the staff who've let go. That seems to be a, almost a mandatory thing that people are doing now, which is fantastic. Um, and more you're saying, hey, give people coaching um, on job discovery because they may not know. And I think quite right. A lot of people have got jobs through uh, non-conventional means or didn't go through the front door, let's say. Um, and they actually maybe experienced employees, but very inexperienced job seekers. Um, yeah. And, and in, that, in that situation, recruiters can certainly help. By the way, I just saw a, a tech crunch. 30% uh, of Twitter's TA team has been let go. Um, uh, so yeah, it seems that there's stuff happening, right? Um, uh, like big companies are starting to yeah. make these types of decisions. Uh, Adam, do you want to give us a, a sort of a, a tip? Like how would, uh, uh, do you think, know of a good example of a company dealing with, uh, a layoff and you thought actually these, these companies that handled it quite well, here's, here's how they did it. I mean, 
will beat no, me to it. It's obviously no, it's the, Airbnb, okay. uh, the Airbnb example. Is a, it's nah. just a, re- a really, a really great example. I, I, I can, I, I do want to say one quick thing though, which is, we tend to think of we tend to think of employer brand, employer branding as an activity that's done by, like a small group of specialist people, but a company's employer brand is everything about that organization from their physical location to the products they sell, their CEO, their customers. It's, it's everything. It's such a big, big area. And in fact, I was talking with Alex um, and uh, one of his friends, Ashton, um, at Wreckfest yesterday about this. And I said that the, if you, if you were to, if you were to, like put a hierarchy out of the, all the different activities in HR, which should be at the top. It's employer brand. Everybody in HR should be serving employer brand. I've said this on here before, actually, but from 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 compensation and benefits through to um, like internal communication and experience, through to you know learning and development, it should all be serving employer brand. So that's the way that I chunk things up. I agree. And just, but unfortunately the way that the companies focus and even fund that activity is almost the opposite. And it's frustrating. I can tell you it's super frustrating to see that. Like you have tons of companies and even leadership going, you know, our employer brand and who we are is super important. Our culture is super important. And then, (laughs) but then at the same time, they don't fund it. (laughs) They don't give money to do it. And yeah, employer brand is owned by everybody and, and employees. It's your reputation. It's what other people, it's what your employees say, right? Um, it's what your leadership team say. But if you don't, you know, actually do the research to understand how to define yourself, you know, if you don't get help to read the label of the cookie jar from the outside to see what that is, and then do the work of self-awareness and discovery of what that brand is, and then really have a good communication plan of how you're going to get that out there, especially when you need to hire at scale and you're not investing in that, you won't do it well. You can be the best company, but if you don't have the muscle and know how to talk about it, you people aren't going to know, you know. But I'll go a little bit back to the, the folks who are running employer brand um, who need a strategy and they need to be able to talk big picture about it. I see too many employer brand people who are focused on their social media strategy and they think that's their job. And I want to go, no, 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 no. And if you're going to have a seat at the table, you better have something, you know, strategic to stay. Um, it's not about the number of likes or the number of engagements. So really thinking about this and, and I'll go back to having plan B, you know, if the company takes a turn in direction and lays off, can you step up and say, here's, you know, here's what I've got planned. Here's the messaging that's in place. Here's the new place I'm going to take. It's that kind of leadership that you need to see. Um, and, you know, sometimes whenever there's a change, there's an opportunity, right? There are always opportunities. It's a great time for employer brand people or even TA. Um, you know, if there was ever anything that gave TA a seat at the table, it was COVID because all of a sudden the employee <laughs> issues and the ability to staff and come back. Um, and so many leaders weren't prepared with the kind of data they needed. They weren't prepared with the kind of strategic approach they needed. Um, they just kind of went, oh, somebody wants my opinion on this? <laughs> Rather than, yes, here we go. Here's what we need to do. Here are the pieces we need to put in place. Here are the things I've got lined up. Um, so I'm going to go back to anticipate. Things are going to change. Things are shifting globally. It doesn't matter what country you're in, whether it's interest rates or whatever, supply chain, the lingering pandemic, things are shifting right now. So be prepared with that plan. So when the spotlight turns on you, you've got something to say. (laughs) Um, And and that will is the only way it's going to happen. You need to be prepared to step up with a strategy and a plan and data and really take a leadership role. You can't just sit there and go, oh, okay, um, let me get back to you on that. Not a leadership role. You, You need to anticipate and be ready. I agree with you too. There is great opportunity that can come through teams coming together through a crisis. You can actually have seen it. You know, companies can actually emerge from it even stronger, more unified with a clearer vision that then builds something that when times do become good, it's easier for them to to get back even more than um, they were before. So um, we all have outside things that are affecting our businesses right now. 
I think the point there is, yeah, yeah you got to go. See you later, Adam, man. I too. Thanks Thanks for to camp. Yep, everyone's got to go. Uh, so we've got to end it there. I think it's been a really interesting conversation. I want to end with the final thing that Mora mentioned again, which is really, really quite interesting. Uh, I think maybe the fundamental way to do this well is to anticipate. Like you've got to basically have it in your own mind that this may actually occur because you, you know, it's not roses and rings forever. Every business has challenges. So you, as an EV person or an internal comms person, or as a recruitment person that has responsibilities for this stuff, you need to have it in your mind what to do if this situation occurs and then have that plan ready to go it's going to make you a lot more effective when you do need to have that conversation because you've already done some planning around it um and i think that's a, a really important message to take away okay everyone's got to go will great to see you man um maury thanks for jumping in and adding Absolutely. such tremendous value you great uh, i remember having a conversation on email i said yeah i don't know anything about this you know everything about this <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're, we're gonna have to bring you. We need to bring you back on anyway, irrespective of whether you're sponsoring or not. Yeah. Um, we'll make sure Anytime. you come in and give us a chat. You've been brilliant. Um, Great. so thanks a lot for joining, Maury, and uh, have a good day. You too, thanks. Cool. Uh, and folks, that's the end of the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Alex Heard, Natasha Nagra, my apologies that we're not able to bring you on properly. I did try, but we had some technical difficulties with both of you, probably uh, because you guys were both kind of uh, post-reckfest trying to find a place uh, to do the show. So I need to thank you massively for making every effort to be here, uh, especially as uh, you know, you're not in your normal uh, place of residence. Um, I hope you have a good day regardless of that. And thanks for joining. Um, we'll be back next week, folks, as we always are. We always do Brain Food Live on Fridays, um, although we won't be doing it next week on Friday um, because I think we might be switching to Thursday. Um, let me just quickly check the diary as to why that is. And it will be because we might be doing the four-day week show. Um, yes, that's right, folks. Um, no, we are doing the uh, recruitment messaging for different generations. Um, so we're talking recruitment marketing next week. How do you create different messaging for different uh, generational cohorts? Uh, very important if we ever get to the point where we want to hire a multi-generational workforce, which of course we want to do. Make sure you join us for that. Sign up to the um, uh, the uh, the Crowdcast. Make sure you follow there as well to be notified. Um, so that's it. Thanks for watching.